From WIS Politics in Madison, you're listening to Capital Chats. Hello, everybody. This is Kate Morton with WISPolitics.com here with a Capital Chats podcast brought to you by Spectrum. Today, I'm here with my colleague Adam Kelnhofer to talk about a conversation he had with Attorney General Josh Call. So, Adam, can you tell us a little bit about that conversation? Hi, Kate. Yeah, I would love to. So, Attorney General Call, he is a Democrat. He just won his second term last year. We talked a little bit about uh, the slate of fake electors and any chance of some sort of lawsuit against these uh, slate of fake, fake electors or any other kind of litigation. And we also talked about some other prominent ongoing litigation efforts he's involved in. So let's just get right into it. Uh, welcome to the show today. I have uh, on as our guest today, Attorney General Josh Call to talk about some updates on uh, lawsuits and some other issues going on in Wisconsin national politics. So welcome to the show, Josh. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so first question, I know you've been asked this quite a few times already, but are we going to see any charges brought against any of the fake electors involved in the 2020 election? Well, as I've talked about before, I can't um, speak to uh, anything that um, may be happening in the state of Wisconsin, given that we generally don't comment uh, on uh, or confirm or deny the existence of, of investigations. Um, but I, what I can say is that I, I think it is critical that anybody who committed crimes with the goal of trying to overturn the results of, of any election that is held accountable and there have been you know significant developments both uh, federally uh, with the indictment of former president trump uh, as well as um, at the state level um, most recently in georgia uh, and i expect that we're going to con- continue to see efforts to uh, hold people accountable um, uh, moving forward all right um, that makes sense so um, with all these indictments going on with President Trump or former President Trump, I should say, um, is there any possibility that if any of these charges do stick or maybe certain ones, some of the, the more serious ones, if they do end up sticking with Trump, is there a possibility like Trump doesn't end up showing up on on certain ballots across the country and maybe Wisconsin? Is that a possibility or am I going too far? Well, I think that remains to be seen. You know, we've seen uh, there there was a analysis um, in a law review article that's been, uh, it hasn't been published yet, but um, but a copy of the article is, is public, I understand it. Uh, and, you know, they've made certain arguments about uh, whether Donald Trump is eligible to be on the ballot. Um, I think that, you know, we will hear um, more uh, discussion of those topics as well as, you know, factual presentations and, and potentially legal presentations moving forward. Uh, so I think it's too early to say where that will end up, but um, but you know certainly that's a topic that uh, particularly uh, recently has gotten some some attention. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I think it's an interesting one to to talk about, and it'll be it'll definitely be something we'll be watching for in the in the future um, at West Politics. Okay, so I want to shift gears here because I know you you've answered a lot of questions about the fake electors recently. Um, but there has been actually some news in the clergy sexual abuse probe. Um, is, uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, what's what what kind of the most recent events are with that probe? Absolutely. The, first and foremost, uh, our review of clergy and faith leader abuse in Wisconsin is is still ongoing. We are still encouraging folks who have any information to to report to our confidential 
our, our confidential reporting system. Um, we have received uh, over 250 reports so far, and so we we continue to encourage people to provide us with information. Um, so we are continuing to conduct the clergy and faith leader abuse initiative, and we continue to encourage anybody who has any information to report to through our confidential reporting system. Um, we've received over 260 completed reports, and, and we continue to ask people to provide information if they have it. Uh, one of the things we're trying to do is to gather as much information as we can so that uh, the report that we prepare at the end of the process is as thorough as possible. And also because we want to follow up on any information we receive if there's the possibility of uh, a criminal investigation or, or of connecting a survivor with services. Um, so the primary way we're gathering information is by encouraging people to report. Uh, but we're also uh, trying to get information uh, through other means if that's possible. And, and one of the opportunities to do that is through the legal process. And so we have moved uh, in front of the, the bankruptcy court uh, asking to be permitted to have DOJ review documents that are under seal as part of the uh, Archdiocese of Milwaukee's bankruptcy proceeding. Uh, they, the, as part of the bankruptcy, claims were submitted by uh, survivors of sexual assault, and there's information about uh, allegations of sexual assault in those sealed materials. So uh, being able to review those would allow us to have a fuller understanding uh, of the scope of clergy and faith leader abuse in Wisconsin uh, and and hopefully to allow that information to inform uh, what we do with with the clergy and faith leader abuse uh, initiative going forward. Mm, that makes sense. Um, is there any kind of, of of timeline for when this investigation might end, or is that does that kind of just depend on when you stop finding issues of of abuse? We want to follow the facts wherever they lead in this matter, and we're going to let um, the the discovery of information dictate the timeline and, and not arbitrarily set a timeline in advance. So as long as we continue to believe that it uh, there's more information that we can gather and that, that it makes sense to continue to, to pursue follow-up options, we're going to keep doing that. Um, and once we get to a point where we feel like we've um, we've obtained as much information as we, we realistically can, uh, at that point, we'll, we'll complete the review, but, um, but it will be going on until that happens. That makes sense. Um, so I know maybe I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but there are elections to worry about in the future. And there is a possibility that you maybe don't get elected in the future. Um, would it if that were to happen, do you think whoever were to take the reins of the attorney general's office, would they continue that clergy investigation or would it kind of be up to their discretion? It certainly would be up to the discretion of, of whoever the AG is. It, it's certainly my uh, hope and expectation that this will be completed. Uh, before the end of, of my current term. Um, of course, you know, you never know what information we're going to find and where that will lead. Um, and certainly if there are ongoing um, criminal investigations or, or cases, um, you would hope that regardless of who the AG is, they're going to continue pursuing justice in any ongoing case. Um, but, uh, but, but it's certainly, like I said, my hope that the, the main part of the initiative will be completed pro, you know, well in advance of that. Okay. So one more question for you, Attorney General Call. Um, there, we're still going through this lawsuit on the 1849 abortion ban uh, issue in Wisconsin. Some people are calling that now um, an infanticide issue and not an abortion issue. Um, but I was hoping you could kind of clear up that issue and give us some updates about how that lawsuit's going. 
Absolutely. So um, right now that suit is in circuit court in Dane County. Um, we have moved for uh, a ruling in our favor in that case. Um, that motion is in the process of being briefed. Um, we, we submitted our brief. Uh, the court asked for some additional information from some of the other plaintiffs. Um, so I think that will be submitted soon. And then uh, the the defendants will have the opportunity to respond. Um, but, but one of the things that the judge uh, has already held in this case in rejecting the motion to dismiss that um, DA Romanski filed uh, is that she she looked into what the 1849 law means. And, and one of her conclusions is that uh, it does not apply uh, in, in abortion cases. Uh, now, that was not a final ruling in the case, um, but it's uh, it's her uh, written analysis of, of what the law means. And so we've argued that following that same uh, logic, the court should issue a, a final judgment in our favor. Uh, I'm hopeful that that will happen in the next few months. Um, we certainly uh, anticipate that there could be appeals, but I, you know, I'm hopeful that we will have resolution soon. And you know, we've got strong legal arguments, and I, I remain confident uh, that ultimately we're going to succeed in uh, restoring access to safe and legal abortion in Wisconsin. All right. All right. That makes sense. So can you just clear up what is infanticide actually? Because I don't know if people since 1849 have given that too much thought. You know, the um, the, the statute that everybody has been referring to as the 1849 abortion ban uh, is actually part of uh, a statute that has more than one um, subsection. There's another subsection in that statute that was previously interpreted by the state Supreme Court, and the language is nearly identical to the language of the, the law that folks have been focused on in the abortion case. There's a small difference, but the state Supreme Court uh, previously interpreted that very similar language to apply to infanticide and not, or feticide, they called it, and not uh, abortion. And what that means is the the um, somebody intentionally causing uh, the death of a fetus without the consent of mother. And so a, a consensual abortion uh, would not be covered under that law if the same reasoning is applied to the subsection at issue in our case, the what's what's known as the 1849 ban, as was applied to that, that other subsection. And, and that's what the judge is ruling, uh, rejecting the motion to dismiss, uh, looked to in, in reaching the conclusion that it did. Okay, that makes sense. And so Hypothetically, I guess, if this does happen and that 1849 ban does end up uh, being ruled as applying only to uh, feticide and not abortion, what does that mean for any kind of abortion restrictions in Wisconsin? Would we go back to the, I believe it's a 20-week ban uh, that Scott Walker signed? Yeah, we would effectively go back to where we were prior to Roe versus Wade being overturned. Um, the, there's a there are a series of laws that have been passed in Wisconsin over the years that regulate uh, legal abortion. And one of the arguments we've made in this case is that those laws impliedly repealed um, any uh, broad prohibition under the 1849 law uh, against abortion. Um, but a related argument is that uh, the, the law just shouldn't be interpreted to apply to abortion at all. Uh, so if that law is is interpreted that way and is found not to apply to abortion, then we would be back to the other uh, laws on the books as the ones that that regulate uh, the situations in which abortion can be performed in Wisconsin. All right. Um, 
I, that actually clears that up perfectly for me. Uh, okay, well, that's uh, that's all I have time for for today's podcast. So it was a pleasure to have you on Attorney General Call, and uh, I hope you have a good rest of your week. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, Adam, we'll have to keep a close eye on that electors issue, especially as other states bring charges with uh, similar cases. So if our subscribers want to know more about these issues, they can head to our website at wispolitics.com. That's right, Kate. But for now, I'm Adam Kelnoffer. I'm Kate Morton. Thanks for tuning in to Wispolitics Capital Chats, brought to you by Spectrum.